You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. On this Pentecost Sunday, our reading is from the Gospel of John, the 15th chapter, verses 26 and 27, and then chapter 16, verses 4 through 15. It'll be on the screens, it'll be online, and it's also in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. You also are to testify because you have been with me from the beginning But I have said these things to you so that when the hour comes, you may remember that I told you about them. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you, the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will provide the world, he will, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer. About judgment, because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on its own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you, All that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now granted, when we read the Gospel of John, especially in Jesus' farewell discourse in the Gospel of John, we are left a bit as if we're reading the lyrics from I Am the Walrus, right? You and me and I and he and you are we and we are all together and it's a bit confusing, grandedly. Ascension Sunday and Pentecost Sunday are some of my favorite Sundays of the year, in part because these stories of Jesus ascending into the clouds or a cloud taking Jesus away, and then the reading of Pentecost Sunday, which is actually not our reading today, But you know the story from the book of Acts where the Holy Spirit was like a rush of a violent wind and the tongues of flame were on the disciples and they were speaking in different languages and people were both filled with great joy and also great concern of what's going on. These stories force us to stop and ponder and consider or maybe reconsider our assumptions. What I mean by that is, in large part, the Gospels, we hear stories of Jesus saying, follow me to the disciples, yeah? And then Jesus feeds people, and therefore, we feed people. 
Jesus healed people, and therefore we should heal people. Jesus spoke truth to power, therefore we should speak truth to power. Yes, got it, understand. Now, there are some exceptions to this rule. For example, I have tried to transform water into wine and have thus far been unsuccessful. Right? Jesus was walking on water and Peter, Peter got out of the boat. And for a moment, Peter was walking on water, but then fear captured him and he began to sink. Is following Jesus mean that we're supposed to walk on water? And then we have the story of the ascension where Jesus is taken up into the clouds. And I, I chuckle a little bit because I know Peter was there. And Peter, who got out of the boat to follow Jesus because Jesus was walking on water, I would, I'm, 90, I'm not convinced 100, I'm 99% sure that after seeing Jesus ascend into the clouds that Peter jumped at least once just to try it, just to see. It, it reminds me of, of when I saw uh, Star Wars for the first time in the movie theaters, how I went home and then put a pencil on my desk, you know, and tried to force, push the, you know. And before you judge me, I know you did it too, Ken Barry. Right? Ascension and Pentecost force us to stop and recheck our assumptions of what it means to be a follower of Christ. Yes, feed the hungry, be in ministry with the, but we got, what are, what are we supposed to do with Ascension Sunday and, and Pentecost where there was fire and language and descending out. What does it all mean? Ascension and Pentecost forced us to stop and challenge our own assumptions. Follow me while Jesus is walking around on earth is one thing. Being a follower of Jesus after Jesus has withdrawn himself, well, that takes some prayer and meditation, and holy conferencing, and study, and formation, and which is the point. The second reason why I love these two Sundays is because it reveals to me that there is still so much to learn. Namely, because Ascension and Pentecost sound like terrible ideas. What is God up to? What was God thinking? Because you know, it, would, it seems that for, it would be wiser for Jesus to just stay, right? And then we can ask Jesus, what are we supposed to do about X, Y, and Z? But then Jesus ascends. It's up to you. Lord, what a bozo idea. I was, I was mentioning someone during annual conference, these things that we pastors say, you know, when there was a, there was a legislative hiccup, because that's what we all interest, went into ministry to do is write legislation about stuff. The legislative hiccup, uh, and, and uh, you know, the comment was made, well, church would be perfect if, if all the people in it, right? What was God thinking letting Jesus ascend into heaven? And then to make matters even more complex, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was given to regular people, power and authority to speak in languages, to tie and loose the bonds. Lord, what are you doing? This forces us to ask questions about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. 
from the mundane to the complex. You know, there's some of the simple questions which maybe you haven't considered. Like, for example, what is our Christian understanding for learning a musical instrument or having a career as a baseball coach? Jesus didn't spend much time doing either. So, so what, is, what does that mean in terms of following Jesus? Punchline, obviously, both are lovely and wonderful, right? But then it also leads us into some of the more complex questions, like what is our Christian response, our Christian understanding for sending robots to Mars? Or genetic research? Things also that Jesus didn't seem to talk about. I'd love it if the Bible would tell us what to do on a Tuesday afternoon at 2.30. But it doesn't. And I don't think it's so bold to say that even if it did, I probably wouldn't do it. Or I'd struggle with it. Ascension and Pentecost Sunday teach us that most of our life is spent improvising with the Holy Spirit. Every day based on the way that we've been shaped and formed, acting upon what God is calling us to do. I mentioned this several years ago, but it bears repeating. In every situation, you have three options at your disposal. You can block, you can accept, or you can over-accept. Blocking means to reject something, to say no. Accepting something means sure and not having an opinion about it. Over-accepting, however, we spend most of our time in the church over-accepting, which means we accept life as a gift. We accept everything that has been put in our path as a gift, but then we try to figure out the holy within it. We try to understand what God might be saying. We try to make something new. The point of our Christian lives is to continue God's story with our one radical, precious life. So picture this as an example. And I've mentioned this before, some of you, so applaud in in suspense at the end of the sermon. Imagine two children on the playground and you have 30 minutes to kill for recess. Well, one child goes up to the other child and says, bang, you're dead. Well, now... The second child has some decisions to make. The second child could block, which means, I don't want to play this game. I don't want to do this. You can accept, which means, bang, you're dead. And you go, which is a fine answer. It is a fine response. But now, what are you going to do for the other 29 and a half minutes of recess? Or you can over-accept. Which looks something like this. Bang, you're dead. Now, now we have a game. Now the story continues. That's what over-acceptance looks like. It's, it looks like accepting what is offered to us and transforming it. Making it something new. Trying to understand the divine within it. As Christians, there are things that we block. There are things that we reject. 
murder, oppression of the poor, greed. There are some things that we are simply called to accept. There are some things that we are called to be a mountain and allow the clouds to come and allow the clouds to pass. Facebook and Twitter doesn't want you to realize this, but as Christians, we actually don't have to have an opinion about everything. It's like several years ago, uh, someone asked me, how do you feel about Tim Tebow praying in the end zone after scoring a touchdown? And I said, I don't. Besides, he played for Florida anyway. He's kind of a schmuck, right? You know. What, what, do, you, what do you think about, um, what is our Christian response to AT&T spinning off Warner Media? I, I don't know. Now, now, you may have a vested interest in that, and I'd love to hear that. I think that's exciting. They're now in direct competition with Disney+, Plus, which kind of hacks me off a little bit. But I'm not sure that there is a large, on-the-whole Christian response to AT&T's spinoff of Warner Media. Do you see what I'm saying? There's some things that we just don't have to get fired up and stew over. Now, I would love... I'd love to bring a Bible into the target and say, see, Jesus says you can actually open more than one register, right? I'd love to say that. I would love to go up to someone in, 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 the, in the parking lot and hold my Bible up and say, see, Jesus said, bring your shopping cart back to the shopping cart return. So sometimes it pains me to say that as Christians, we don't have to have an opinion about everything. We can let, we can be a mountain, allow the clouds to come, and also let the clouds pass by. Most of the time, as Christians, we are called to over-accept, to accept what is offered and make something new, try to discover what is happening with it. What is God trying to do in this? Another example is you take a milk carton after you're finished with the milk. What do you do? You can block it, which means you throw it away. Its story is done. It's done. You can accept it, which is like putting it on the shelf and like admiring it and just letting it be. That's weird. Or you can over accept, which means what? To recycle it. Uh, to, to make something, make a plant right. Some, continue its story. Our job as Christians is to continue God's story in the best way we know how. I love over-accepting pop popular culture. It's kind of my thing. Uh, and I saw a post this week uh, from Reverend Weldon Barres, who is the senior pastor at First United Methodist Church in Lake Charles. And he was talking about Pink Floyd's Time. Do you know that song? Not, not their time as a band, the song Time from Dark Side of the Moon, right? Track three, which shows my age. I didn't know this. I was unaware of this. I was playing the song for Anna Lee in the car, and I said, it's track three. And she said, what's a track? But then I was talking to my dad about it. And he goes, oh, yeah, that's the third cut. Yeah, ooh, yes. You know, she calls them downloads. I call them tracks. My dad calls them cuts, right? Just an interesting little tidbit there for the generational divide of how to understand music. But what is timeless is Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. Fantastic album, right? This, this was his reflection. Uh, on this song. In 1973, Pink Floyd released their classic album, Dark Side of the Moon. It is still considered to be one of the greatest albums of all time. The album has a song by Roger Waters entitled Time, and it has some haunting lyrics. Tired of laying in the sunshine, staying home to watch the rain, and you are young, 
and life is long and there is time to kill today. And then one day you find 10 years have got behind you. No one told you when to run. You've missed the starting gun. So you run and you run to catch up with the sun, but it's sinking, racing around to come up behind you again. The sun is the same in a relative way, but you're older, shorter of breath, and one day closer to death. Every year is getting shorter, never seem to find the time, right? He continues to write, isn't that the truth? No one told us when to run. And we think we've missed the starting gun. May God help us today to remember that each day is a precious gift from God's hand and to live each day to the fullest. Let us remember the words of Jesus. I have come that they might have life and live abundantly. John chapter 10, verse 10. Let's not miss that starting gun. Now, as Christians, we can block Pink Floyd is not a Christian band. Or we can accept, I think I've heard it once, around about 75. Or we can overaccept, we can hear this fantastic song and then dive into it and see if there's something to learn in there, to see if there is value, to see if we can hear God peeking through this song. The lyrics are great. I hope, I hope you get on Spotify or open up the vinyl later today uh, to listen to this song again. Because at the beginning, at the beginning, uh, there is this like a clock. But what you might not realize is the bass drum underneath going. And it continues almost through the whole song. And you run and you run, catch up with the sun that's sinking. You're supposed to feel anxious, catching up to the starting gun. But then it stops when the da 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 The point of the song is not to run faster to catch up. The point of the song is to live life to the fullest and that doesn't mean joining the rat race. That's not what it means. And you're supposed to feel anxious when you hear the heartbeat in the song. Ah, Pentecost. There is a thread in Pentecost that says go and do and be filled with the fire and as as David says, our, our hearts aflame, go and do, change the world. I've preached that. Nothing wrong with that. There's also a thread, as we hear from John today. I'm going to send you a teacher and an advocate. Oh, there is so much that I have to tell you, but you are not ready just yet to hear it, as Jesus says. There is a time, and Pentecost reminds us, that we should sit back and say, what are you doing, Lord? My God, 
what you're doing, pouring out the Holy Spirit on us, having Jesus ascend, it sounds like a terrible, what is the wisdom here, Lord? In other words, Pentecost also reminds us to put the horse back in front of the cart, to stop, to check our assumptions. God is still at work, and what does it mean? Ah, Pentecost. That day that God offered the Holy Spirit, the advocate, to be with us as a guide and a teacher. We've not been given the power of the Holy Spirit to lord it over them, as Paul says, but so that we might look at the world with a great curiosity and to perpetually ask what God is up to so that we might learn and share and recognize that though we saw Jesus ascend to the clouds, Christ still seems to be among us. Lord, what do you have in store for us today? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, when we hear stories of tongues of fire and hearts being transformed, we give you thanks for the power of the Holy Spirit, that energy of God that calls us out to transform the world. Father, we also give you thanks for that spirit being an advocate and a teacher and a guide to lead our curiosity, whether that means reaching the depths of another planet or hearing a song in a different way, God, you keep surprising us in the ways that you keep showing up. Open our eyes and our ears, Lord, to your presence today so that when it's all said and done, when time is gone, and the song is over, we will have something to say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.